Welcome to the Man Up God's Way podcast. We are dedicated to changing the way Christian men live and act for them to stop being spiritual sissies. It's time to man up God's way. And here's your host, Jody Burkeen. Well, today is a special day at Ignite Church. Uh, very special for me because uh, the only graduate today just happens to be my daughter. And um, I get to, to, to preach to her. Uh, she hears it all the time, but uh, I'm going to preach to her today and uh, hopefully give her some wisdom that will help her um, as she steps out into adulthood. And this is stuff that, to be honest, we all wish, I wish we could all hear at one point in time in our life when we were younger. I wish they would teach this in schools. I wish we would teach it more to our kids at home. And this is the wisdom of a man who had everything. And you guys probably know the story of Solomon. Solomon, uh, in today's wealth, was, was worth about $2.2 trillion. Matter of fact, they said between his, his 39 years in reign, he acquired 25 tons of gold a year. And so you calculate it, that in today's time, and it's a lot. Plus the taxes, plus the land, all of this kind of stuff. Most theologians believe he's worth $2.2 trillion. But at the end of his life, he wrote this little book called Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes is the wisdom of a man who had it all. He had everything that we physically could ever imagine. He had wealth. He had uh, luxuries. He had food. He had wine. He had women. And yet, at the end of his life, he said it was all vanity. Everything that he had was all vanity except one thing, and that was the Lord. And so if there's anything that my daughter would take from this sermon today, and it is that there's a lot more out there than just stuff. I think a lot of times we spend most of our life trying to acquire stuff. We try to acquire wealth. We try to acquire retirement. We try to acquire a 401k, a big house, then bigger house than our neighbors, and cars, and all of this kind of stuff. And in the end, guess what? It's all vanity. Every bit of it. And so we're going to look at some wisdom from Solomon. Matter of fact, the Bible calls him the wisest man to have ever lived. And so even in his wisdom, he, he kept saying that is all vanity as well. His knowledge, all vanity. His wealth, all vanity. His women, all vanity. And so how can you and I learn and how can we impart this onto our kids so our kids don't go off and do some of the exact same things that we did? Uh, we're, a lot of us are in the, in the situation because we tried to do a lot like Solomon is build our wealth. Well, the way that most of my generation has built wealth is through credit. We haven't necessarily done the things that you should do to build wealth, but we've tried to build it with credit, which the next thing you know, you're a slave to what? You're a slave to the lender. And so we want to look at what Solomon can teach us about being wise as we step out into the world. And so for my daughter, Evie, I pray that you listen. I pray that you, uh, you've been preached this since the day that you were born. Uh, we've tried to impart on you as much wisdom. We haven't always taught you the right things, but I hope you uh, do as I say, not as I do. How's that? That's biblical, too. That's in the book of Jody. <clears throat> so in Ecclesiastes, here you've got 
Solomon at the end of his life. And Solomon was the son of David. And we all know who David was. David was a man after God's own heart. He was probably the guy that we look at uh, most of all to say, man, if he can screw it up and still be after God's own heart, the man after God's own heart, man, I've actually got a chance. And so then David dies. Solomon steps into uh, ruling over Israel and becomes one of the great kings of Israel at that time. And in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, and this is not on your PowerPoint, I was just reading this a little while ago. Could you imagine being at the end of your life, and this is where you start your letter off, and it says this, the words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, vanity of vanities, says the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanities. And so imagine looking at your life from the deathbed. Imagine looking at your life at the end of life and looking back on it and going, man, everything that I did, everything that I accomplished, everything that I worried about, everything that I put in the bank, everything that I, that's all vanity. Why do we actually do it? Why do we actually do what the world keeps telling us to do? And this is exactly where Solomon was. Solomon was at the end of his life going, man, everything that I did was all vanity. And what we're going to see is what really brought him peace, what really brought him joy was the love of the Lord. And so, Evie, that's what I want you to remember. The love of the Lord is what's going to get you through life. Not the stuff, not the money, not the finances, not, your, not seeking after the world. And the world will tell you that it's a lot better than what you have in your heart. And I can tell you it is a lie, okay? It is a lie. Now, if you have your Bibles, open them. If you have a phone, turn it on. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4 through 11. The first thing that Solomon tried to do to bring peace and joy was bring luxury into his life. He wanted stuff. And let's look at what he says here in Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 4 through 11. He says this, I enlarged my works. I built houses for myself. I planted vineyards for myself. I planted gardens and parks for myself. I planted them in all, I planted in all of them all kinds of fruit trees. I made ponds of water for myself from which to irrigate a forest of growing trees. I bought male and female slaves. I had home-born slaves. I also possessed flocks and herds larger than all those who preceded me in Jerusalem. Also, I collected for myself silver and gold and the treasure of kings and provinces. I provided for myself male and female singers and the pleasure of men, many and the pleasures of men, many concubines. Then I became great and increased more than all who preceded me in Jerusalem. My wisdom also stood by me. All that my eyes desired, I did not refuse them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart was pleased because of all of my labor, and this was my reward for all of my labor. Thus I considered all of my activities, which my hand had done, and labored, which I exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun." So here you got, you've got a guy, I think a lot of times when we look at rich people, we think, man, they've got it made. My wife has always said that rich people have real problems. Most of us have what? We have money problems. That's our problem is not being rich. We just have typical money problems. Rich people have real problems. And this is what King Solomon was showing. He's like, all of this stuff that I did, all of this, these great things, that I, like, I was just chasing after the wind. Has anybody ever chased the wind? Like, try to catch it? 
You're not going to. You're not going to create happiness with things, with luxury. Uh, I've been rich and I've been poor, and both of them stink when that's all you do is think about it. There's a, there's a place to where you need to be content, uh, and this is what David was trying to show everybody. In his wisdom, he was like, listen, none of this is worth chasing after. And I, a lot of times we send our kids off to college, and it's like, you've got to get a degree so you can get a great job. Like, that's, that's really what the world is trying to tell us to like, a lot of us did the exact same thing, and we're miserable in our jobs. We're miserable in our life. We're miserable in a lot of things, and you've got to learn to be content. You've got to learn to be in a place to where when God has you somewhere, what can you learn? How can I learn from this? If we could all go back and learn from Solomon when we were younger, don't you think your life would be a little bit easier? Evie, I would tell you right now, don't spend your money on stuff. Travel. You know, go places. Visit people. Take care of people. Like, do the things instead of trying to build wealth. Take that time and that effort and that money toward enjoying life outside of the stuff. Because once you have the stuff, guess what? The stuff has you. You see what I'm saying? Like, most of us are stuck with a mortgage. Most of us are stuck with car payments. Most of us are stuck in a place to where if God said up and move, guess what? We can't. And so when we've got control, when we're controlled by the stuff and God speaks, guess what we do? We argue. Eh, sorry, God, I can't do that. I got a job here. I got to take care of this. I got to take the, I can't do any of this. And now I can't move. And so guess what happens? We stop listening to God. And this was where Solomon was at the end of his life. God had blessed him greatly. And yet he quit listening to God. God t- kept telling him, don't take on a wife from another country. And guess what he did? Took another wife from another country. Next thing you know, he's, idol, he's in idol worship. And we'll see that here in just a minute. But we've got to look at how can we go out into the rest of the world, especially our kids. Our kids, the, the world is getting crazier and crazier by the minute. You've got to be able to listen to God in, in a way that we never did. And you've got to make sure that you don't let the stuff have you. Luxury will never make you happy. Uh, material things will never make you happy. Verse 11, thus I considered all my activities which my hands had done and the labor which I had exerted, and behold, all was vanity and striving after the wind, and there was no profit under the sun. The world will tell you different, Evie. The world will tell you different, kids. Like, chase it, chase it, chase it. it it's literally like the, 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 the carrot and the horse. Have you guys ever seen the, the, the horse right here and they put a stick on his neck and hang a carrot out in front of him, he keeps chasing. He's never going to catch it. And that's the same thing with chasing after luxuries, chasing after stuff, chasing after money. You obey God, you put God first, guess what? God's going to take care of your needs. He's going to take care of your wants. He's going to take care of your desires, especially when they mesh with his. Amen? Number two, Evie, Solomon tried knowledge. When King Solomon discovered that prosperity or material things didn't necessarily fill that void that he had, he had this proverbial hole in his, in his soul that he kept trying to shove with money and stuff and all this kind of stuff, he then went to knowledge. Okay, how much more could I learn and become greater in my understanding of all things? He understood, uh, you look at Proverbs, he understood how birds flew. He understood, like, the ways of fish in the sea. And this was before National Geographic or Jacques Cousteau or any of this kind of stuff. Like, he knew all of this stuff well before anybody else. And he studied these things. He made sure that he was a scholar in everything. 
The world will tell you that you need a degree and you got to go out and you got to get this education and maybe even more education and more education. Like that education is good. A lot of jobs, you have to have that education, but it's not going to necessarily make you happy. You can get all the education that you want and still be miserable. And you can still be dumb as a box of rocks with all the education. You've got to learn to apply what God is giving to you, especially the knowledge from God. The knowledge of the world is not going to get you too far. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, 17 through 18, it says, And I set my mind to know wisdom and to know madness and folly. I realize that all this is striving after the wind, because in much wisdom there is much grief, and increasing knowledge, is, knowledge results in increasing pain. That's so true. The more wisdom that you have, the more responsibility you have. The more knowledge that you have, the more responsibility you have. And if you don't take that responsibility seriously, guess what? It's going to be miserable for you because you're going to know the things that you need to be doing, but you're not going to do those. So don't let education get in the way of your relationship with God. You've got to know God first and foremost. And this goes for all of us. We've got to know God first and foremost, not our jobs, not our um, incomes, not our, none of the stuff. We've got to know God first and foremost. If we keep trying to pile stuff on outside of God, it's going to be daunting. You, you always hear the, the yoke Jesus talks about. His yoke is light. His burden is light. His yoke is easy. And a lot of times we want to put on the world's yoke. Guess what happens then? You get weighed down. You get packed up. And the next thing you know, you're carrying around so much weight that it just wants to just crush you. And that education will make that happen as well. And so here's Solomon again. Number three, Solomon tried alcohol. The world will tell you to, to get rid of your pain, to get rid of uh, all of, you know, whether it's the drugs or the alcohol or the sex or anything. The world will tell you that this will take away all of your pain. And here you've got one of the richest men to ever live on earth who could get the finest wine. The next thing you know, he becomes a major alcoholic. He's drinking all the time. He's, he's trying to drown his sorrows and his worries. And you're thinking, well, he's the richest guy especially in that time, but most of all time, he's in the top five richest. I looked that up the other day, and he's in the top five richest men of all time. And he should have everything. He should be happy. But yet, he went to the drink, and the next thing you know, the drink uh, ended up destroying him for a very small part of, part of his life. Ecclesiastes 2, 3, 3. It says this, I implored with my mind, how to stimulate my body with wine while my mind was guiding me wisely, and how to take hold of folly until I could see what good there is for the sons of men to do under the heaven the, the, the few years of their lives. What happens with alcohol, and this is from experience, just so you know, I've never been one that can have a drink. There are a lot of people who can have a drink and do just fine with it. I always was the one who had to get drunk. There was no way to just have one beer, one drink, whatever, and the next thing I know, I was becoming an alcoholic. I mean, I was drinking a lot more than I should have been at the time. Uh, Fifteen years ago, the Lord convict, uh, convicted me. I quit drinking. What I've been teaching my kids since day one is you, you never know where you're gonna, what gene you have that's going to take you from the alcoholic that's living under the bridge to being able to have a drink. And so I have always pushed my kids, never, don't even take a drink. Don't even try it because you never know what, what spectrum you're going to end up at. 
You know, I, I can tell you that statistically speaking, it's, it's, it's not a good thing. And again, I know a lot of you can have a drink, and I'm not, uh, nowhere in the Bible does it say that drinking a beer or a wine or a glass is a sin. Drunkenness, again, that is a sin. And so I've encouraged my kids since day one, don't drink. Just don't even try it, because that one drink, you know, the, the guy that's living on the side of the street that's homeless had his first drink at one point in time. Just seriously. That's exactly the way that it starts. Uh, I've been addicted to everything but exercise. <laughs> like, I, I, I wish I could get addicted to exercise, but I've been addicted to everything, it seems like. And I can tell you, it's always started with one. And the next thing you know, you end up here. It's the same thing with money. It's the same thing with sex. It's the same thing with all the things that the world is going to throw at you. And for, for you kids, just stay away from the drugs, from the alcohol, from the promiscuous sex, and uh, all of this stuff. I mean, it's wisdom here. Solomon was the wisest man for, for a reason. And he's given us what the, 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 the great thing about it is, and I think the bad thing about it is, is his wisdom came from doing. Okay? We can learn wisdom by not doing because we can listen to somebody else who's already done it and been there. Okay? Don't try it for yourself and say, oh, I'm, I'm different than that. We're all the same pretty much. Just listen to Solomon when he talks about some of the wisdom. Liquor never brings permanent satisfaction. And this is what he was saying. Like, I've done everything. Proverbs 20, verse 1, it says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is a brawler, and whoever is intoxicated by it is not wise. I pray for my daughter. Thank God she's going to a Christian university, but that doesn't keep her from being tempted from the, the, the wolves out there. And I, I, I pray that she will never do that. I pray that she will never drink. I pray that for all of our kids, that they will never get to that place to where they have to worry about that, where they have to debate about that. A lot of times, man, we, 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 just, we don't talk about that quite a bit. I just want uh, to, I want my kids to know that, man, just Stay away, okay? I, I can tell you that it can take you to some places that you don't necessarily want to go. Verse uh, number four, Solomon tried lust. Okay, so you look at, he tried luxury. He tried everything under the sun. Money didn't make him happy. He tried the labor. He tried working with his hands and building everything that he possibly could. Didn't make him happy. He tried the, the liquor. Didn't make him happy. And then he tried lust. And thinking that would make him happy. Let me tell you how crazy he was. He had 700 women that he was married to. Okay? It's crazy. 300 concubines on top of that. Crazy. I can barely remember my own anniversary of my wife's birthday, much less 1,000 women that were in my life. Uh, I can't imagine having that. In uh, 1 Kings 11... One through three, he says this. Now King, or it says this. Now King Solomon loved many foreign women along with the daughter of the Pharaoh, Moabite, Ammonite, Edomite, Sidian, Sidian Hittite women uh, from all the nations concerning which the Lord had said to the sons of Israel, you shall not associate with them. So God had already come in and said, listen, Israelites, you marry your own kind. You don't go outside of these of the, let's say these four walls, but outside this country, because there's a problem that happens here when you do that. Now you're getting into paganism, you're getting into idolatry, and guess what? A woman will change you sooner or later, and that's exactly what happened to Solomon. The next thing you know, all of these women are coming in with their gods, little g-gods, and convincing him that he needed to worship them as well. 
It goes on to say, you shall not associate with them, nor shall they associate with you, for they surely will turn your hearts away after their gods. Solomon held fast to these in love. He had 700 wives, princesses, and 300 concubines, and his wives turned his heart away. Ecclesiastes 7.26, and I discovered, and this is Solomon talking, and I discovered more bitter than death the woman whose heart is snares and nets, whose hands are changed. One who is pleasing to God will escape from her, but the sinner will be captured by her. So we see that lust is one of those things that draws all of us. Whether you're a, a woman or a man, the, the, the ideal of lust, whether it's uh, the, another woman or another man, if you're married, or uh, for my daughter's sake, the day that she was born, and the same thing for my son, the day that they were born, we started praying that God would send them a husband and a wife. We want them not to have to go through the struggles and the temptations of dating. Uh, or the, the struggles and temptations of having, you know, I always call it Baskin-Robbins 31 flavors, try it till you like it kind of deal. Uh, I don't want my kids to have to go through that because there's baggage that comes along when you do finally get into a marriage that God had ordained and put you together and so forth and so on. There's a lot of problems that come from that. And so I don't want my daughter, Evie, I don't want you to go out and seeking something that uh, is not God sent. I know that God's going to send you a husband that will be a godly man, that he will take care of you, that he will support you, because you've been prayed for for 18 years. And um, thanks for crying, 18 years. Golly. Can you go back to the little bitty girl? That would be awesome. I can't believe it. My daughter's leaving. I always say from the pulpit, Susan was picking on me the other day, Schlittler. She was saying that, oh, you always say that you can't wait for your kids to leave. I'm totally joking. I don't ever want my kids to leave. But I do want them to go out and enjoy life and have a great time. I don't want them to do it the way that I did it. Although I had a great life, I've had a great life. <laughs> it's not over. I've had a great life, and I can't wait uh, for my daughter to get married and have me grandkids and all of that kind of good stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed uh, big time. And so, Evie, stay away from the lust. Stay away from the boys. Uh, you know that I will kill any of them that aren't, um, that's, on, that's on tape now. So I'll get in trouble if one of her boyfriends dies. Uh, especially if they're not godly. You stay away from them. So, again, uh, number five, he tried labor. Thus I considered all my activities which my hand had done and the labor that I exerted. And behold, it was all vanity and striving after the wind. I think a lot of times, most adults can, can agree on this. I think we do a lot of stuff that really, really makes no impact in the world. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's so much stuff that we do that just really does not impact the kingdom. It does not impact the world. It does not impact whatsoever. We've got to learn to love God, okay? We love Him wholeheartedly, and uh, we love Him with... The, 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 an earnest heart that gets us to a place to where we can hear from God. And then guess what? We go out and love others. And when we start doing those two things, those two of the greatest commandments is what Jesus says. If we do those two things, if we just love God with all of our heart, our soul, and our mind, and we love others, all of this other stuff is vanity. Granted, we've got to make money. Granted, we've got to have shelter. Granted, we've got to have transportation, all of that kind of stuff. But scale it. Do we necessarily need all of this compared to where it's the exact same thing on a smaller scale? 
And that's what I want to encourage my daughter, encourage my son, encourage the teenagers here that are getting ready to step out into the world. Don't strive after all the stuff. It will just daunt you and bring you to a place where you can't necessarily hear from God. I think a lot of adults, if we were to change anything, it would probably be that one fact. Don't get bound up in all the credit and the debt and all of this kind of stuff. I mean, just do it a little bit slower, do it a little bit... You know, our problem with my generation was my house had to be more expensive than my parents' house. Like, that's... And I don't, I don't know that that was in my thought, but that's, it was easy to get credit, you know, back then. It's, it's still a little bit easier to get credit than when they were. They spent that years and years trying to build a house, and here we go out and, bam, Nan and I are married. We haven't been married five years, and we bought our first house, $100,000, and that was 25 years ago. You know, and my parents were like, y'all are crazy. Oh, we got it squared away, and that's just the snowball effect that's been through our whole life. And so, Evie, don't do that. First of all, uh, find you a rich husband. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. So what did Solomon do? He turned to the Lord is what he did. When he realized all of this stuff was vanity and he was going crazy just trying to control all this and keep it all intact, he finally turned to the Lord. Um, He didn't, he never found happiness. He never found any in the stuff that he had. He finally found it in the Lord. And I think that's, I've been trying to preach that for four years now, is that if we seek God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind, man, we, we will be blessed. Don't you guys want to be blessed? Yes or no? Yes. Okay. I want to be blessed. I want to be blessed in ways that all I can do is go back and say, look at what God did. I think a lot of times what I do is I go, look at what Jody did. Oh, look at what I did. No, I don't. I want God to come in and show up and show off in all of our lives, especially my daughters as she is stepping out to to the world. Ecclesiastes 8.12, it says this, Although a sinner does does evil a hundred times and may lengthen his life, still I know that it will be well for those who fear God and who fear him openly. You and I should have a healthy fear of God. There should be a, a healthy fear and a respect for God. And how do we do that? Well, you get to know him through his word. You get to know him through prayer. You get to know him through having a repentant life. That's how we get to know God, and that's how we get to start fearing him. So let's look at what Solomon did learn in his path to happiness. Evie, listen up closely. Number one, get to know God. Romans 12, 2, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove that the will of God is, that which is good Inacceptable and perfect. You're going to be tempted to walk away from God. Every every teenager is. The moment they step out of the house, they think I've got it all figured out. I'm smarter than my parents everywhere, ever were, and maybe your mama, but not me. Um, <laughs> I'll get that one when I get home. But um, don't don't do that. Like listen to God. Listen to what He's saying. Listen to what how He's talking to you through your prayer and through reading your Word. And I pray that you will continue that on through college. You've been taught that since the day you were born. Like literally, your mama has poured into you like crazy. And yes, you know the Bible, but apply it. Put it into your life. Be the shining light that you're supposed to be out into the world. Don't mesh with the world. Don't become the chameleon. You look one way on Sunday morning and another way on Monday. 
Be the, the woman that God has created you to be. Number two, trust God when life is disappointing. Romans 8, 28, and we know that God causes all things to work together for, for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. We sang that song a while ago, fight this battle. Like, there, there's going to be battles that you're going to have to fight, that you're going to have to look, even in the midst of those battles, you're going to have to look where God is. God is in those battles with you, and in all of your disappointments that you'll have in your life, your mom and I have protected you for years. We've, we've sheltered you, and we've taken care of you, and just like this little egg, we just didn't want to, to get broken. Uh, you're going to step out, and, and the world is going to smack you in the face. We will still be there to protect you, but you've got to remember God is going to always be there at all times, and we all need to remember that. In the midst of your battle, in the midst of your disappointments, the Christian life is not easy. Matter of fact, the Bible says it's not easy. We know what Jesus says. He says, pick up your cross. Those who want to follow me, pick up your cross, an instrument of death. Show the rest of the world that you're not afraid to die for me, but it will not be easy for you. Matter of fact, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, and guess what? The world is going to hate you because of me. Most of us don't like to feel that way. In the disappointments, Evie, do not forget that God is still there. Number three, expect God to meet your needs. Matthew 6, 25 through 34, this is a section, a chapter, a, a, sec, a section in chapter 6, this literally is my Bible in this section right here. I got it highlighted, I've got it noted, I've got it marked up, because this is where I struggle more than anything. And Evie, I don't want you to struggle like I do, but know that God is going to meet your needs. Let me read this to you. For this reason, I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Put, uh, will put on. Is, life, is not life more than food or body more than uh, clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow, they do not reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? This gray hair on my head... Is not because of wisdom, probably. Most of it's because of worry. Um, and they, they worry about clothing. Observe the lilies of the field, how they grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory was, was clothed like one of him. In other words, what Matthew is saying is that Solomon, who all of history has been the richest, the most glorious, glamorous kind of guy that people look at as being having it all, even in his splendor, was nothing like the flowers of the field that God put out there. And so it's God-focused. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown in the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Do not worry then, saying, what will we eat, or what will we drink, or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, for your heavenly Father knows that you need these things. But seek First, and this is exactly what everybody should be doing, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. So do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. How many of us spend so much time worrying about tomorrow, or the next day, or the next week, or the next month, or the next year? Like, we haven't even made it through today. Let's just get through today. Let's not worry about what happens, and watch God come and show up and show off in our lives. That's where we need to be. 
Number four, follow God's instructions. Psalms 32, verse 8 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way that you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. It's taken me years to learn to follow God's instructions. When he says do it, do it. When he says don't do it, don't do it. And that comes with wisdom. That comes with stepping out there and doing some stupid stuff. And Evie, start first by listening to God. Don't, don't listen to the world. Don't listen to uh, people who are not walking with God. And make sure that you know exactly what God's saying through his word, through listening to him, and your spirit with his spirit. Number five, cultivating a forgiving heart. Ephesians 4, 31 through 32. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with malice. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Being mad at somebody does you no good. Hating people does you no good. Waking up you know, every morning thinking of somebody that you need to give forgiveness to, most of the time here you and I are worried about somebody else and how they offended you and how you're mad at them and how you don't want to forgive them, and they hadn't thought twice about you in years. Literally, that's usually what happens. And uh, someone once said, you know, unforgiveness is like drinking acid and hoping the other person dies. Like that makes no sense for us to, to not forgive somebody. And it's not necessarily for them. Guess what? It's for you. It gives you the peace to know that you're forgiving them no matter what has happened in your life. Evie, don't go around with hatred in your heart. Number six, maintain a clear conscience. Titus chapter 1, 15. To the pure, all things are pure, but to those who are defiled and unbelieving, nothing is pure. Both in their mind and their consciences are defiled. You don't say anything wrong. You don't have to worry about your conscience. You don't do anything wrong. You don't have to worry about your conscience. You don't lie. You don't steal. You don't do, you do the things that God is telling you. You don't have to worry about a conscience. You don't wake up in the morning going, oh, what did I do wrong? Have a clear conscience and make sure that you're following God at all times. Uh, building healthy relationships. 2 Corinthians 6, 14. Do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what, what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? You and your mama and I have chosen your friends for a long, long time. And there's been a reason for that. We wanted to make sure that you had the best friends that you could possibly put in your life. Even if they weren't in part of your life, some of those friends didn't need to be there. And I pray as you step out to seek your own friends now, that you will seek the ones that are following God and that will not tempt you in a way that will be unbecoming to God. And that's what my prayer is for you as you leave uh, in a few months. And last but not least is live with an eternal perspective. The life that you're living now is not just for the next four years and the, the, the next time after that. Like, I think a lot of times in our life we kind of segment it. You know, like, okay, my teen years, my 20s, my 30s, my 40s, and a lot of times we segment it. We need to look at life as, as what, is, what impact I'm going to have eternally. You know, we don't want to waste the short 70, 80 years that we have on this earth and miss heaven. We don't want to waste our time doing that. How can we impact heaven? How many people can I take to Jesus along with me? John chapter 14, 1 through 6, it says, Do not let your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. And this is Jesus talking. In my Father's house, there are many dwelling places. If it were not so, 
I would have told you so, for I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you myself, that where that you may also be. And you know the way that I'm going. And Thomas said to him, we all know who Thomas is, uh, one of the apostles, we call him Doubting Thomas. Lord, we do not know where you're going. How do we know the way? And Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father through me. So everything that you do from here on out, you're 18 years old, you're a woman, you're stepping out into adulthood, think of everything with an eternal perspective. Like it's just not this short little life that your your impact is going to be eternal. Jesus has prepared a place for you. He's going to receive you there one of these days, and that's for all of us. As we step out into the world every day, when we wake up, and what kind of eternal impact are we making? Are we just trying to, you know, get to retirement and then sit, you know, on a rocking chair or on the front porch or on a bass boat or on the beach or something like that? There's not retirement talked about in the Bible. We're going to go out with this eternal perspective for the rest of our lives till we get to a place to where we are doing nothing but talking about Jesus our whole life. And that's what we need to be teaching our kids. We're in a world right now that doesn't know a whole lot about Jesus. We've got a generation coming up right now that has, knows Jesus less, uh, almost, I, I think the statistic is less than 10% of teenage kids right now claim to know Jesus. In my generation, it was about 38%. And so you can see how quickly we're falling away from Jesus. We're not teaching it anymore. And so kids, listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Listen to the wisdom of your parents. Your parents have been there, done that. You don't have to follow in their footsteps. I had great parents. My dad and my stepmom are here this week, uh, weekend, and, and my mom is here. I had, I had great parents. Like, they did exactly the best that they could. When I turned 18, it was all on me. I, I, I ran with the devil. They didn't push me that way. It wasn't their fault. And so... No matter how you're raised, you still have a responsibility. Evie, you were raised in a Christian home. You were raised, uh, unfortunately, sometimes as a pastor's kid. It's not easy to be a pastor's kid, uh, from what I hear. Uh, but uh, it's, I, know that it's not, I know that it's not easy. I know that it's not going to be an easy life for any of the, our kids. But when we have God, we follow God, there will be peace. There will be uh, this joy, this, this Holy Spirit-infused um, uh, fruit of the Spirit. That's the only way that we can make it through this life is with Jesus in us and Jesus on our side. So, Evie, my prayer is that you will listen to the wisdom of Solomon, that you'll listen to the wisdom of your mom and daddy. I know that I'm 50 years old and I sit back and look at what my parents did. I'm like, yeah, they were right. I should have listened to them. I wish I'd have done, you know, but I went out and made my own decisions. I hope you make some of the right decisions and Listen to your parents. Listen to God more intently. And for all of us. And just listen to God. Who would you rather make your life choices? You or God? How have you been doing so far with them? <laughs> Are you making good choices? Let God make them. Let God lead you in that direction. Read his word. Listen to him in prayer. Quiet time meditation. And just follow him. You don't have an excuse at that point in time. So let me pray over you guys, and then we're going to do a little quick ceremony for Evie. The, the Cindy, our youth leader, is going to come up and present something to her, and uh, 
I just pray that you guys go out and have a great day. I pray that you guys will go out and make a difference in the world, that you will listen to the wisdom of Solomon, that, you, that we will uh, not try to strive after things that are vanity. Okay? May, some of us may have to do a total 180 completely. Like, we've, we've been striving after the wrong things over and over and over and over and over. And what do we call that? Insanity. You know, insanity, the definition is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results. Maybe try something different. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this opportunity to just share with my daughter. Lord, I pray that she listens to your wisdom. Lord, although Solomon penned this, you put it on his heart to lay it on paper, Lord. And we pray that uh, it just imparts in the hearts of everyone listening. Lord, I pray that uh, especially our teenage kids that are uh, just coming of age, uh, for my son, uh, for my daughter, for all of those in the youth group, Lord, that they will just uh, listen to the wisdom of the adults. Um, we're not perfect. We've never claimed to be perfect. Uh, we mess things up, but we know that uh, you're always on our side, that you're always there for us. And Lord, that no matter what our problems are, that you will always be in the midst. I pray that we can keep a heaven, heavenly perspective, Lord, instead of a worldly perspective. That we'll keep our eyes focused on you. And I pray great blessings over Evie. And as she just steps out into worship ministry, Lord, I pray that you just send her all around the world uh, singing your song and praises. Thank you for listening to the Man Up God's Way podcast. For more information or to book Jody Burkeen to speak at your next men's event, check out our website, manupgodsway.org.